0: Hi everyone, we are now in our second part of our Show Me the Money series. Last week we talked about value and we mentioned three things about value. We said what you value, you take care of. What you value, you spend time on and what you value, you spend on. We also maintained that value is subjective depending on the time and season and situation that you're in. Money is based on our values and each person has different standards and scales when it comes to values. So last week, we also mentioned that before the use of money, people traded and this is called bartering. They exchanged goods and or services for another. Today, we're going back in time so we can understand where money came from, what money really is. The early use of money was in the form of stones. Did you know that? valuable stones, rare stones like gold and silver. In Genesis 13, verse 2, it says, Now Abram was very rich in livestock, in silver and in gold. In this passage, Abram was considered rich because he had silver and gold. The earliest money system was based upon specific price of the weight of stones and metals. Before coins in 600, 600 B.C., Everything was measured by weight or volume. Why did they use stones and metals? Because during those days, stones and metals were expensive commodities. Besides being rare, they were traded for their ornamental beauty, their practical use for cooking, weaponry, hunting tools, etc. Soon they traded them in stones and metals based on weight. How they weigh, they have this weighing scale. It's similar to the gold standard the world used up to the 20th century most weigh stones during the iron age from the 1100 bc to the 500, 505 bc they were smooth polished dome-shaped limestone with flat bottoms. abraham agreed with ephron and abraham weighed out for ephron the silver that he had named in the hearing of the hittites 400 shekels of silver according to the weights current among the merchants now, again this is just a verse illustrating the kind of money that they have a set of rare inscribed hebrew judean way stones eight shekels for 91.2 grams a shekel for 11.4 grams on Nezeph, the 9.12 they then fim they call it fim 7.6 grams and becca five out seven grams. Although coins were first used in Babylon and Athens at early, at the 6th century BC, the first coins were used in Israel about 378 BC. Jesus identified the three metals used for coin as money. He even mentioned, he says, take no gold or silver or copper, which was bronze, in your belts. Since coins were produced by kings and rulers, the coins often had their own image inscribed or It's minted there. And he said to them, whose likeness and inscription is this, they said to him, Caesar's. Then he said to him, then render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and to God the things that are God's. However, Jewish coins would use sunbursts or other symbols in place of the image of the ruler at the time. The biblical currency and the money of the Bible was based entirely on the weight of gold, silver, and bronze, Iron of Goliath's spear, okay? Myrrh and cinnamon in Exodus. Absalom's hair in 2 Samuel, rather. Coins allowed the quick exchange of trusted value without the need for scales. This means that coins could be traded quickly without the need to weigh each one because the minted weight could could be trusted. The question is this. If Israel continued to use a money-valued tied directly to the weight of gold, silver, and bronze, then why use coins? The simple answer is, coins were easy to identify as an accepted, certified weight. You can trust the coins were all the same because the weight and the value, because of the government, because the government had produced the coins. Where many coins of the same metal were exchanged, they were often weighed as opposed to counted. That's why it didn't matter if coins were you know, same denominations, whether they're slightly different weights. Several different denominations of the same metal were thrown on a scale, and there were weight, and the value was determined in spite of their face value from the myth. Let me just mention this. I'll just, everything to say this. During those days, God hated dishonest scales and weights. Do you know that there's been dishonesty with the use of money even during those times? Even during the time of Moses, it says, You shall not have in your bag deferring dif- differ- weights, a large and a small. You shall not have in your house deferring measures, large and small. You shall have a full and just weight. There's been injustice when it comes to money, even during those times. and Up to today, right? You shall have a full and just measure that your days may be prolonged in the land which the Lord your God gives you. There's already cheating, by the way, even today. There's bribery, there's corruption because of money. A false balance in a, is an abomination to the Lord, but a just weight is His delight in Proverbs 11. What causes cheatings? We'll talk about this, this later on. Today, we do not use the weight system. It's not used anymore in your pocket. Um, however, the government have huge stockpiles of gold in places like fort knox in reserve that back up the other wise worthless paper currency by the way for those who don't know just for your knowledge on june 5 1933 franklin roosevelt took the u.s usa off the gold standard for those who don't know where coins and paper money currency had to be backed up okay Today, it's backed up by what you call or what is known as fiat money. Fiat money is full faith and trust in the government, uh, the government that issued it. Today, as we all know, we still use coins and paper currencies, right? So what gives value to this, I mean, to this piece of paper? It has value because it is an instrument, a trusted instrument issued by the government. It's the standard by which commodities and services are being traded, financial institutions, and the growing global economy puts full faith and trust in its use. It is valued based on the authenticity and the issuance. There we go. That's the short and long of it. So what is money for? Our foundational... That's a long introduction, by the way. <laughs> Very important, though. Our foundational verse for today is in Psalm 24.1. Listen to this. The earth is the Lord's and all it contains. Everything in on earth is the Lord's. The world and those who dwell in it, including you and I, God owns us. So in this verse we find that the Lord, the earth is God owns the entire earth. It continues to say that even everything contained in it, the trees, the animals, the fish, everything is the Lord's. Even the people He owns you and I. He owns us. So if, in short, if God owns everything, what do we own? Nothing. (laughs) He owns everything. First point. God owns everything, including us. So we don't own anything. What's the piece of paper that was given to us when we bought something? Remember that? no deed of sale and it says now you're the rightful owner doesn't it say we own it technically yes but truthfully no we're given the right to steward it while we're still here on earth but but it ceases when you die or you pass it on and then they pass it on when they die someone else will take care of it your car for example is given to you and it's temporary temporarily yours until you die you can't Bring it to heaven. You can't own it and anything permanently. So, technically, it's yours, but it is ultimately God's. You leave it behind. So, God created human beings in His own image. In the image of God, He created them male and female, He created them. Then God blessed them and said, Be fruitful and multiply. Listen to this fill the earth and govern it. Reign over the fish in the sea, and the birds in the sky, and all the animals that scurry along the grounds. Another other words, God said to work on it or be a good steward of it, of what belongs to God. Be a good steward. Everything you have, steward it. It's not yours. It belongs to God. We're just here merely, merely to take good care of it. Even our children is not ours. Think about that. Your home is not really yours. We truthfully do not own anything. So what is the purpose of God giving us things? Then God said, look, I've given you every seed-bearing plant throughout the earth and all the fruit trees for your food. You go to Walmart or you go to whatever, the grocery store. It's yours for the day. Of course, you have to pay for it. Now, I've given every green plant as food for all the wild animals, the bird in the sky and the small animals that scurry along the ground, everything that has life. Point number two, God provides for us, for all our needs. Why does God provide for you? For your needs. And my God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. Isn't God good? God's good. This word tells us that he will meet all our needs. It didn't say he'll meet some of your needs. He says all your needs. He will meet them according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus not some, all your needs. It doesn't always say all your wants or desires. I just wanted to be clear. But it also said according to his glorious riches, according to what what will glorify him. Amen? How many of you can testify to God's provision in your life? I have, and I will, I can. How many of you are blessed by God's provision? Isn't he just a loving God? Who always provides for all our needs the needs of his children third point god provides for us you have money you have provision for what for our enjoyment not just for your needs but for you to enjoy oh. god commands those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant or to put their hope in wealth which is so uncertain but to put their hope in God who richly provides for us with everything for our enjoyment, our enjoyment. Are you enjoying God's provision for your life? I think this point needs no explanation. Point number four, God's provides for us so we can be a blessing to others. That's the purpose, one of the purpose, why God's giving you things. The Lord said to Abraham, leave your country and your people and your father's household, and go to the land I will show you. So he was directed by God. I'll make you a great nation, into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. Mm. You will be made rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion, and through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. That's why God's blessing you. Let me end, end by saying this. Do you know that you can live this life with everything you need and want and miss out on your purpose? I want to get to heaven and hear God tell me one day, He says, well done, good and faithful servant. Well done, Jay. You achieved the purposes I have for you. Well done, good and faithful servant. I want to know that I was able to achieve the destiny of, He had for me. Is that a good and inspiring thought? I know many of you who are watching are a blessing to many. You've been a blessing to us. You've been a blessing to me. You're you're achieving your purpose. For those who are not sure, the starting point is God, the creator of everything, heaven and earth. He created you and I for a purpose. If you want to live out your purpose, you need to first start with Jesus. First things first, you have to surrender your life to him. If that is you and you want to start this day and say, God, before I even steward anything, everything comes from you anyway. I want to start with you. Not the provision, but the provider.